All right, catch me up. It's been a while since I've talked. What have you guys been talking about? Uh, we need to be of the same mind and same love. Okay. So we've been talking about this thing like one mind, right? What book are we in? Watch like, I haven't been here in two weeks. I want to see Philippians. Philippians, winner! All right, who wrote it? Philippi. It is uh, to the Philippians. Letter to Philippians. Yes. So that means who wrote the letter? We talk about this guy a lot. Not as much as, like, Jesus, but. Come on, Bible scholars. Hmm? Paul, yeah. There you go. Who's Paul? Tell me all about him. Paul was Saul. There you go. That is a correct statement. <laughs> Persecuted the Christian church. And then he, he, he And then he He's met like, the Lord on Damascus Road. Oh, he, yeah. <laughs> and then, he made a change. There you go. Yes. And All then right. he got changed his name to Paul, but he got scales on his eyes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what did he do once? <clears throat> So after he, well, after Jesus essentially confronted him and said, why do you kick against the goads? He started doing what? Where? Everywhere. Everywhere, right. So he uh, became, you know, a, what's the word? Missionary, essentially. So he goes all around and he, he takes the gospel everywhere, including Philippi. This is actually the first place he goes, and he ends up in jail there, right? And uh, Paul in the Philippian jail, you remember that story from Sunday school's past? How there's like a earthquake, but they don't escape, they choose not to go, and yeah. All that story, okay. He goes all the way around, and where does he end up? Where's the last place Paul goes? Oh, man, guys. Oh, man. I know he is. Isn't he beheaded there? Yeah, where? Who's the king of the known world at this time? Everybody? No. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, this is going to be terrible. I'm, uh, I can't. The kings are. I know where it is. It's like by the coast.
Rome? Yes. yes, he ends up in Rome. Right? Romans rule the world right now. Ooh, so when he writes this uh, letter, Paul is in Rome. Okay. So the first week, we're just touching a couple places in the book of Philippians, right? Because we only have a short time left before we hit the fall. We're going to start a different series here shortly. But we've got this idea that uh, Paul is giving to the Philippians that everybody to lead a good Christian life has to be of one mind, right? Of this same mind. <clears throat> what, is, what are some of the points that uh, Levi and Eric brought up to you about this one mind? Okay. What about this marker is dying? Well, I would say put others above yourself, right? Yeah. And how this is basically a purely Christian thought. Nowhere else in the world are you going to go where they're going to say, put others before you, all right? Uh, and then, you know, it's what the Bible says directly is esteem others over yourself, okay? So we're in this one mind thought, and then last week, what did Eric talk about? Last week, Eric gave you an example of this selfless life. Yes, all right. Yes, all right. How is Jesus selfless? What did he do? So Jesus is up in heaven. You know, he is, he is God, right? What did... He made this decision to come down, to give up, you know, that what he had in heaven, and to come and you know thought it not robbery. You remember that verse? Mm -hmm. To become man and to die for us, so that we could be saved. Right? That's the ultimate selfless act. Right? So Jesus is our example. Can you be like that? All right. <clears throat> we can't. But today, Paul is going to give us. I don't know, the best tool to get close to that, all right? So turn to Philippians. We're going to jump in at chapter 3, all right? Christ is supposed to be our example of selflessness. So the question today is how do we get where we need to be? What's our next step, you know? How do we get on this path of this one mind, this selfless Thought just like Jesus. We're going to pick up Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, please. Natalia. Okay. So in the original Greek, Paul used a plural form of the word gain. You guys ever heard of gains? Yeah. Yeah, what are gains in your vocabulary? Huh? Gains <laughs> That is a gains in our world, yes, but it's spelled differently, like a last name. 
Uh, yeah, so I mean, that's what I was thinking of, like gains are something you get in the gym. Right? You work on your muscles. This is a little bit different, okay? <laughs> I like Audrey's example too. We're very different than the, the road. <laughs> uh, so, <clears throat> from a worldly perspective, what would someone consider great about Paul? These are his gains. I didn't know we wouldn't know that much about Paul. All right. So some things that are great about Paul, according to the world, right, his education. He was taught by one of the best rabbis alive at the time. Right. Uh, something else. According to the Jewish law, he was blameless. He had lived life according to the Jewish law from the day he was born. Right? Very few people could say that. Um, his political status as a Pharisee, you remember those guys? Yes. What did they do? They are kind of like the Well, I would think of uh, the Pharisees as maybe like a political party, or, but it, I mean, in Jewish times, political and religious were one and the same. The Sanhedrin is the the Senate-ish thing that the Jewish uh, the Jews were led by, and a lot of the people who sat on that were Pharisees, right? Um, so, and then another thing, his zeal. You know what zeal is? Ever heard of that word? Yes. Zealous? Zealous is a form of the word, yes. Somebody can be overzealous. Think of zeal as like your drive and determination and commitment to something, right? So as a Pharisee, right, he had tons and tons of zeal. He was going to squash the Christian church before it ever got started, right? And he was willing to do anything that it took to be able to achieve that goal, right? Very, very zealous, all right? So these are some of the gains that Paul is talking about that he is saying count as a loss. All right. Remember, we're thinking about this one mind, so we're getting rid of these things that the world sees as important. So if this is Paul, what can we say about us? What are some parallels? Just in general, right? What are some things that the world sees as very important? Gains, you know, things that are great achievements. Okay. I would say your job, right? I mean, this could be as simple as, like, your TikTok follow. Like if that's your goal, right? Money, your friends, property. yeah. 
Maybe. All right, maybe. I don't know if I would put that on that list. Because <laughs> this is the thing that's, that the world sees as you're successful. All right? Uh, so why do you think Paul is counting all of these things as a loss? Okay, let's read the next verse, uh, chapter, or chapter 3, verse 8. his education, his zeal, his everything that he's ever done to what he's gained by knowing Christ, there's no comparison. Alright? So what Paul is saying here, he can count all of this meaningless when you compare it to knowing God. So knowing Christ is greater and everything. All right? Now that's not to say that, you know, the things on the list are bad. Absolutely not, right? <clears throat> they are good things and if you you know, if if you know God and have those things, more power to you, right? He's not saying that those things are bad in any way, just that this is number 1. All right? He's putting a priority structure together for us. Uh, you know, knowing God, doing his work, and spreading the gospel is what should be most important in your life. To have that one <clears throat> common mind uh, and, you know, live the Christian life as Paul is putting it. Let's read verse 8 again and then continue into verse 9. Have you ever looked at someone and thought that person is really righteous? Is that the thought you've had? Okay. So whether you have or not, what kind of qualities or actions, what does somebody do that gives you that vibe? Excellent attitude. Okay. Yes, 
Any other thoughts? Maybe somebody who's always at church? Doing all that stuff, maybe charity could make us think that. Um, maybe somebody who's really good at telling others about God. But what does Paul say that kind of contradicts this list in verse 9? Righteousness comes from knowing Christ, not from just doing those things. Does that make sense? All right. Um, let's keep going. Verse 10 and 11. So that is a tough couple verses. Like I read that when I was first sitting down and studying. I was like, what does that mean? Right? Paul is getting very lawyery. Right? So I've got a, a translation called the Good News Translation, and this is how the Good News Translation puts these two verses. It says, Paul says, All I want is to know Christ and experience the power of his resurrection to share in his suffering and become like him in his death in the hope that I myself will be raised from death to life. Does that help you understand those two verses a little bit better? Okay. So Paul is getting at the heart of what he's trying to say in this section. Okay. These two verses put it together. Uh, so what I want you to do is think about your best friend. How do you know your best friend? And what I mean by that question is like, what are the ways in which you know them? Not like, how did you meet? But what does it take to know someone? Okay takes time. Hmm? No. I put the bullet in for the next one. 
I've got five or six. What is the qualities of knowing someone? I would say that you are able to recognize them. You know what they look like. I would say, uh, you know how they're going to act, right? You've spent enough time with them that you know how they feel about things. or how they're going to react to certain situations, you just have a feeling about that, right? You, you are familiar with this person, right? You know them because you converse on a regular basis. Some other things that you can do to know your friend. Say you, you know their family. Because you spent time at their house. You've gone over for play dates or whatever you call them these days. Right? So if this applies to your best friend, and the number one thing that we need to do to have this one mind as a Christian body, as a, in our Christian life, right, this stuff needs to apply to Jesus. Right? You need to spend time daily. Right? You need to converse. You need to spend time such that you're able to recognize him and know <clears throat> how he's going to feel about certain things and just have this familiarity right knowing jesus is different than knowing the stories about him right different than knowing all the doctrines or how you're supposed to bathe in church or just coming to church every day right knowing jesus is different than you know, knowing his moral example and what he says is right from wrong. Uh, and knowing diff uh, Jesus is different than just knowing that he died for you. All right? What I'm trying to get at is knowing Jesus is this kind of stuff, but even one step further, right? <clears throat> because when we have a relationship with Jesus, when we know him, we begin to feel the power of his resurrection, right? This is what Paul is talking about there in verse 10. We begin to feel the power of his resurrection. Uh, the power of his resurrection, when we experience this with him, when we spend time with God, you will know a certain set of things, right? The power of his resurrection is... that are very important. It is evidence. Alright? If you're ever questioning, just spend time with God. You will know beyond a shadow of a doubt 
that everything Jesus ever did or said is true. All right? The power of his resurrection is ultimately forgiveness. All right? The power of his resurrection is this receipt that our debt is paid in full. Right? We, no matter what we have done, are forgiven. And we can know that without a shadow of a doubt when we spend time with Jesus every day. And the power of his resurrection ultimately is eternity. Right? This is the prize. Because we know Jesus, we also can know his reward. His reward of eternal life. Right? So this is why knowing Christ, loving Christ, spending time with him every day is more important than anything else you can do. By this relationship, we are saved for all eternity. Let's keep going. Uh, verse 12. All right, we got another tough verse here. Uh, What Paul is trying to say, or what he is saying, is that he hasn't reached the goal yet. If we're going to spend time with Jesus every day so that we have this familiarity, so that we know who he is, uh, it's a daily task. It's a great reminder for everybody, especially... You know, people who have been following Christ for their entire life. Even though Paul has done so much and listened to God all the way through his journey, he's not done learning and working for God. So what he's saying here is knowing Jesus is a constant daily act. One that we will need to carry out every day for our entire lives. Let's finish up our little section. uh, Verse 13 and 14, please. Paul says we've got work to do. There is nothing more important, nothing more central to Christian life than knowing Jesus. Right? This is the central thought. Everything else flows from this relationship that you hopefully work on every day. Right? Nothing else is more central to knowing Jesus and experiencing the power of his resurrection. It doesn't matter what happened in the past doesn't matter what happened yesterday or five minutes ago. What matters is what we do now and what we will do to know God better. So your life and eternity depends on it. This relationship is super central. uh, So know Jesus today better than you did yesterday. That's the goal for every day. And it'll be the greatest thing you ever do. That's all I got. Thanks, guys.